Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. Hi, so my name is Sharon Goddard and I am the Quality Improvement Manager for Norfolk Community Health and Care. So Sharon, tell me your experience. Well, I say, I take a deep breath because it, it kind of, I have to do that to uh, to get myself into the the mode. Uh, it's been a while really since I've shared my story. Not because I'm not happy to, just because the circumstances don't arrive. Um, it's not something that's part of everyday conversation. Fifteen and a half years ago, I was happily nine months pregnant with my first baby, and the day after my due date, I went into labour. All very exciting, rang the labour ward, kind of said, you know, can we have the uh, the water birth? I want a water birth, so can we have the pool booked? And, uh, you know, can we do all of this? And the baby said to me, yes, of course. Uh, have you felt the baby move? And I went, oh, um, not that I've noticed. I'm kind of focusing on the contractions. I'm not really focusing on whether the baby's moving or not. I said, OK, well, keep a note of your contractions. Keep a note of whether the baby's moving. Ring me back in two hours. So I was like, fine. So I did that rang her back and said, actually, I haven't felt the baby move. And she went, OK, your contractions are getting closer anyway. Come in. And we were in this room and the, the birthing pool was there next to us, really excited. And the first midwife came in and she put the Doppler on and she was like, oh, I can't, can't quite hear the baby properly. You know, I'll um, I'll just go and get if someone else can can do it. I'll go and get another midwife. So another midwife came in and she tried and was poking and prodding me a little bit and all this time I'm completely oblivious not even thinking there could be a possible problem and the next thing I know there's a doctor wheeling a different machine in and when I think about it retrospectively because I'm a nurse I should have known what was coming but I was in the space I was parent I was mum I was mum to be and it did not even occur to me so when the doctor looked at me and said I'm afraid your baby's died completely floored me utterly utterly floored I can't even describe the sound that came up came out of my mouth and my husband at the time was kind of sat you know a couple of meters away from me and so he kind of jumps up we're clinging to each other and just complete devastation just utter world falling apart and then it was really quite quickly that we looked at each other and we were like we're gonna be okay and it kind of feels that it was a decision a conscious decision to sink or swim and we're like we're gonna be okay and I think the strength that both of us had that we had together and that we knew we had around us with our family and friends enabled us to do that to go we're gonna be okay and we were telling each other that so following from that the midwives were coming in and checking on us and talking to us about different things and we had to ring family and tell them just the the trauma of of sharing that news and I realised again afterwards when my family arrived, they live in the Midlands, so they're three and a half hours drive away. I've got a sister who's a five hour drive away. 
And literally that night, my family were all next to my bedside. Three sisters and my mum and my dad were right there. And we obviously moved rooms uh, to the bereavement suite in the maternity department. And the staff, amazing. Oh, my gosh. Such care, such compassion. And the next day at lunchtime, my daughter was born. I didn't know that we were having a girl. And we called her Lily. And I bathed her with the help of my mum, because that was something I was determined I was going to do. And we dressed her. And yeah, it was, um, I don't know, it was quite quite serene when it got to that point it was it was quite serene and it was peaceful the love was palpable it was just I just felt enveloped in love and I think that's the thing that's helped me keep going that's helped me continue and to be able to speak about it with people because one of the things I've also learned is that every time I share my story I feel a little bit lighter it's never going to go away. Never, ever, ever will it leave me. But by sharing my story, I feel a little bit lighter. And I know that there's ripples that go out there that when at the time friends of friends were saying, oh, well, I, I talked to my friend about it and she told me that it happened to her. And I spoke to uh, my cousin and apparently my auntie had three babies that died and I never knew anything about this and it was you know all of these stories kind of came around and it's sad I think that we we aren't able we don't feel able we don't feel it's okay to discuss these things because it happens more than people realize and it's not just me and my husband at the time that were affected there was a whole raft of people that loved us and cared for us and knew us that were affected in some way. So it's not just us as parents, it's it's everybody that gets affected. And I think the more that we recognise it does happen and that there is support networks out there and people that can help and a way forward. Everyone has their has their way forward. If you know it's kind of navigating that finding which way is your way. I think that's where we need to go. And I think part of me wanting to share today is for that reason. I just thought, do you know what? There's probably people in our trust that, that have been affected. Even if it's not them directly, it might be a cousin, a brother, a sister, whatever, an aunt. And if and if I can share my story and it helps them in any way whatsoever, then I really want to do that. I think that's amazing. And thank you for sharing your story, Sharon. I think... I mean, my first thought was, what happened? Did they tell you what happened to Lily? Why why it happened? Um, the the doctors came when she was born. The doctors came and, and kind of checked her over, asked if we were okay for her to have tests done and for me to have tests done. And I was like, do everything you possibly can because we're determined to have a family. And if there's something we need to know about, going forward then we want to know about it so do everything you need to do and I think it was six or eight weeks later we went back to the hospital and met with the consultant and I think these are words that I still don't sit comfortably with me but his words were it's just one of those things that they couldn't actually find a reason 
and I have my own thoughts about it and I think with the most recent maternity reports that are coming in and are being publicised around um, maternity care across the UK, I'm in the process of writing my own letter to the hospital to to question, not not for any gain, I guess. I just want them to look at my care again and perhaps acknowledge that they, they maybe could have done things slightly differently. I think that's really sensible. And I think because you can go back and do birth reflection, can't you, um, with the hospital mm. at any point? And I think I don't think enough people do that because so much can happen. You said you had to call your, your family and that those phone calls, I can't imagine how awful they must have been. Having your family around you then at that point, you have felt comforted, but you've then got to leave the hospital and go go oh. back to your life where everybody is waiting for you to come and tell them the, the good news. And so how do you navigate that? I don't know. I really, I, I can't, I, I don't think I have advice for for that I think for me it was about just one day at a time and actually at some points it was one hour at a time just need to get through this bit just need to get through this bit just need to do this I think leaving Lily at the hospital was the hardest thing and I think I I'd got um a certain strength about me knowing I'd got to do it and it was like right Okay, let's let's get ourselves sorted. Let's do what everything we need to do. We had our moments with her and we took photographs and we'd had handprints done. And so we'd got our memory making started. And the walking out of that hospital, I remember feeling, I guess stoic is the word, because I don't remember crying as I was leaving. The second I got in the house, I don't think I stopped crying for hours, but I knew I had to leave her there. And the resolve within me knew it and it kind of, it's almost like it took over to help me get through it. And I remember when we got home, I was kind of like, I don't know how I've just done that because if you took me back there now, I'd never let her go, you know? And so it was... I don't know. I can't I can't even explain it. But I think that phrase about saying we're going to be OK, I think there were just points through the whole process and probably still even now where I think to myself, just got to keep going, just keep just keep going, just keep moving, just keep moving. Because I wouldn't want her death to have a hugely massively detrimental effect on me and my family and as it turns out she's had quite a positive effect because we've done charity events we've raised money you know kind of she's she's in people's memories my children that I've had since know that they've got a, a big sister in heaven and they talk about her and you know I can't imagine what it'd be like having two teenage daughters at the moment but you know <laughs> Um, my my daughter often says, I wonder if we'd have got on and would we have shared a room and, and you know, and we we talk about her and it's very, we're very open. You know, I, I always consider myself a compassionate person before I'm a nurse, I kind of, you'd hope I would be, wouldn't you? But I think this experience grew my compassion, extended and expanded my compassion and also gave me a different perspective to life 
where I feel uh, some people that know me might disagree with this, but I feel I'm more forgiving um, and more accepting of other people. So I do always tend to do that. I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what's going on in their world. And I will offer that compassion across the board to everybody I come into contact with, really, which I've also been able to pass on to other friends as well. I think when I speak to my friends, they talk to me and, and you know, they'll be talking about somebody and saying this, this and the other. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know what's going on for them, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, OK. So, yeah, I've got I've got amazing friends and I think they, they've helped me massively through this as well. They let me just be with my grief. And I think that's one of the things is allowing myself to just be because I had I had maternity leave. I was full term and uh, I took it. And I know some people don't take it, but I was like, no, I, I need to do this. I need there's no put me coming back to work and not not being ready for it, not being in the right frame of mind and then needing to go off again. It's better that I do as much healing as I possibly can and work through this process as much as I possibly can and come back to work when it's the right time for me to do so. You've had children since. I'm interested to know when and how you felt ready to kind of approach that again. Is it a conversation that you have where one of you maybe thinks that you're ready and the other one isn't? Or like, how did you approach that conversation? I think he, he was always led by me, if I'm honest with you. And he he was kind of the the, the rock solid part of, of the the experience of my life at that time, as you'd hope he was. And I hope that I was the same for him because he was also grieving. And I think, again, amazing friends and family that I had would always check in on him too. Dave, how are you doing? What, you know, is there anything we can do for you? Because... He is part of that story and I know that a lot of focus always goes on the mum um, having been the one that's given birth but that doesn't negate any grief or loss that a father feels. So um, again we were fortunate that that people were checking on, on him as much as they were me. Somebody I used to work for had a, a house in France and when she came to the funeral she gave us the keys and she went just, just go, go and spend as long as you want that, it's yours. And that was amazing in itself because to get away from all the eyes, to get away from the town where I lived, to just have a little bit of escapism and a little bit of alone time when nobody knew us and nobody knew the story and what had happened to us was uh, such a relief, I have to say, just for that period of time. And we ended up spending a couple of weeks in France just being us, just, you know, coming to terms with things as much as we could and just being having quiet times and being still and just reflecting a lot I think and thinking and talking things through and that was one of the conversations we had while we were away was well we're determined we want children we don't feel like we would be us if we were without children so let's just see what happens and and that's what we did and it was just over two years later that I gave birth to my second daughter. So we just kind of, we just went with the flow, really. And um, I think I used to talk to Lily and I'd say, send us a baby when you think we're ready. <laughs> and I'd do that little whispering thing to her, send us a baby when you think we're ready. And every, like every month it was kind of like, okay, we're not ready yet. All right, <laughs> let's keep going. <laughs> 
but I did. I used to have those kind of conversations with her. And um, yeah, I mean, talking about that makes me smile. And there's a tear in my eye at the same time. It's, do you know what I mean? It is just like bittersweet uh, memories of that time, really. But yeah, then we went on and four years later, we had our son. So they're kind of 13 and nine now. Um, keep us busy. <laughs> I love the idea that you talk to them about Lily and that she is such a huge part of your family because I think that's really important for everybody but especially for you to not have to worry about talking about her. I, I know from this obviously completely different because my brother was 38 but when I lost my brother I wanted to talk about him. I wanted people to say his name mm -hmm. but people didn't want to because they were scared that I didn't want to or they didn't want to upset me and you know did you find that with Lily that you would you would desperately want to talk about your experience or were you absolutely like do you know what I'm quite happy to not I think it was it was different with different people so the people that I felt safe with so you know you have like your inner circle people and you feel completely and utterly safe with those people that I I could express emotion and talk about Lily and no one would bat an eyelid and they'd go with me on it and we'd you know we'd we'd work through whatever it was I needed to together and then there's the people that are a bit more on the periphery that you kind of see them tense up a little bit if you mention it. Or, you know, if they say, you know, like a saying that talks about death, like a phrase or something. And then you see them go and and, and catch themselves and just think, oh, my God, have I triggered her? Is she going to start crying? And I, I always felt that that was more about their uncomfortableness with somebody crying. I'm absolutely fine with crying. I can cry at the drop of a hat if something touches me emotionally. And I I love it when people talk to me about her and especially my children. So when a conversation is instigated by them because they're feeling or they've thought or something's triggered them, it makes my heart swell with joy because it, I'll probably cry and they know I'll probably cry and they're, they're fine with that too because they might cry as well and we just have a hug and, you know, it's all fine. I just, I, I adore it. I adore the fact that they feel so comfortable and that it's so acceptable for them to talk about somebody that's died. And unfortunately, my children have had three grandparents that have died in quite relatively quick succession. And so... You know, we're a we're a grieving family. There's no no way to to beat around the bush with that one. But we're okay with that. We have to be okay with that. It doesn't. We don't let it overshadow and overtake our whole lives. There are moments. There are pockets. There are times when we go with it, and there are rest of the time we just crack on and live our lives and be as happy as we possibly can be. So it's that it's that kind of mix, really. We can make it okay. We have to be the ones that make it okay for everyone for it to be okay for everybody else. So the fact that you and I are having this conversation now is a great starting point. There are an absolute plethora of resources on the SAMS website, so Stillbirth and Neonatal Death Charity website. But I also, when I felt able, and I think it's after I'd had my second daughter, I actually did the befriender training with sons so it's two days where you go and you're with other people that have been affected by the loss of a baby and you get trained in how to support other people and so within norfolk there's a there is a, a support group for sons 
that people can access as well and they can go to a support group and physically see people and speak to them. Although I didn't feel it myself, I know there are people out there that felt very isolated around the time of their baby's death. And that makes me awfully sad for them because I got so much strength from the people around me. And so I kind of wanted to be that person for others that might not have had it. And as I say, the 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 positivity in being able to raise money for charities helps keep her memory alive and and gives it positivity that she existed and that she was part of our family. So it isn't it isn't always about focusing on on the sadness of something. It's about what am I going to do with this? Because it's happened. There's nothing that anybody can do that's going to change what's happened. What am I now going to do with this? And it's that knowing the different options you have available to you and then choosing the one that's right for you because it is going to be different for everybody. What's something that people can do to feel connected to the person they've lost or, you know, to support someone who has lost somebody? I think one thing that I always get quite a lot of comfort from, my my best friend emigrated to Australia while I was pregnant with Lily. And she obviously heard the news and she was the other side of the world. And in October every year, there's a, a baby loss wave of light that happens. So at 7pm in every country, across the world, wherever it is 7pm, so it's obviously New Zealand and Australia first, when it's there 7pm, they light a candle in memory of a baby or babies uh, that have died. And then it works its way across the world. And when it's 7pm in our country, we light a candle and they consider it to be that wave of light that moves across the whole of the world at the same time on one night in the in the year. And, and that's quite a quite emotive thing to do to know that this wave of light is moving across the world in memory of all of these babies there's so many websites with so much support and sans have even got like five things you can do to support somebody you know that's affected by baby loss you know they've they've got so many resources on there so it'll prompt you it'll give you some some clue as to what you think might be relevant for for you and your situation one thing i've noticed along the way is that people will perhaps talk to me about a miscarriage or a very early loss and they say oh but it's nothing compared to what you've been through and I absolutely shoot them down and I say please 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 don't ever compare because it's not about when it happened the fact is it happened and your life has been impacted massively it makes no difference when that occurs because when couples have made the decision to conceive you're already loving that child yeah you know you've made the choice and you're kind of like we're gonna have a baby <gasps> and you yeah. start to invest already into yeah. that baby that doesn't even exist yet so yeah. when people say that to me oh you were full term that must have been worse and I'm like it's not worse how it's 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 just my experience you know yeah. I I really genuinely don't do the comparing thing because I don't think that's useful to anybody whatsoever yeah. a loss is a loss no, and it's devastating loss, yeah by having this podcast for our particular trust right now if it has a positive impact on even just one person in our trust then happy days 
thank you for listening to Take a Moment with NCHC. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes. You can also follow NCHC on all social media channels.